sisters loved by Jesus Christ, or as the psalm will say, beloved. We're going to do some time travel. Use your imagination a little bit here. I need you to travel back in time. We'll make three trips. First off, imagine you were one of the travelers, let's say back in the days of King Hezekiah. Just pick one guy. King Hezekiah, and you're on your pilgrim journey up to Jerusalem for one of the great feasts of Israel. Psalm 127 is one of the psalms of ascents, typically used for that trip. And you are singing. Imagine you are singing this psalm at the top of your lungs as you round the bend, as you just get your first glimpse of Jerusalem up in the hills. And you see the city, you see the prominence of one particular building, the Lord's house, the temple. Back then in the days of Hezekiah, you would have seen Solomon's temple, the first temple. And notice this title, there's this title that says Psalm of Ascents of Solomon. You would have seen one of the greatest wonders of the ancient world. Nations were in awe of this. You were in awe. And the Queen of Sheba has come from the ends of the earth to see such things as Solomon's wisdom on display. Psalm 127, you're singing this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. They're doing it for nothing. And it was in vain. It was for nothing. You know, Solomon's temple was destroyed. God sent the nation Babylon to destroy it. And God said at one point, I will not watch over this city or this temple. Let it be ruined. So that city of Jerusalem, its walls, its temple was demolished. That was one time travel trip. Let's... Let's come closer to our time. Not that close. A couple hundred years after that first imagination. Now imagine you're a traveler sometime in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah when the city was rebuilt. When the temple was rebuilt. And you know, it was never the same. It never had quite the gold like it used to. And it was never the same. You know why? you know it could be torn down again. You know it could be demolished again. Unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord keeps it and guards it, it's going to be for nothing. Let's take another time travel. This time you're setting the gauges. You're setting the time travel machine to be a lot closer to our time. You're a traveler at the time of the 12 disciples. Imagine you are one of the 12 and you're with the Lord Jesus Christ and you look at that second temple. It's still standing. And you say to Jesus, what awesome buildings these are. What awesome stones. And what does Jesus do? Do you remember? Before he says something, do you know what he does? He weeps. If only you knew, Jesus says. 
Jesus would get them to sing Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, this too is a waste. Unless the Lord watches over the city, what an absolute devastation. Not one stone will be left on another, he says. There will be such horror and starvation and tribulation. Unless the days are short, and Jesus has a lot to say about that coming devastation. As we read Psalm 127, as we sing it later, we need to know what the house is, what the city is. Because at first, you you do have to think about a literal house. You have to think of a literal city, a literal temple. But think beyond that. What's it getting at? It's about a household, right? It's the same word, a house and a household. It's about a family. This is about people. Not just buildings. And that's why I wanted to add that reading of 2 Samuel 7. God's word to King David. David, you want to build me a house. You're thinking of like a house. Wooden structure. Covered in gold. A temple. But God's word to King David is, no, I'll get Solomon, your son, to do that. I got something better for you. What's better than that? David, I will build you a house. And notice he's using that word, the Lord God, through Nathan the prophet. I will build you a house. And he's referring to a royal family. We call that the house of David. It's his sons and his daughters, especially his sons, who will reign as kings. One of them, God says in 2 Samuel 7, one will be awesome. I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever You know who this is, right? Jesus Christ from the house of David. Now, let me be clear. Psalm 127 is, first of all, speaking of God's house, God's city, God's children. That's where we have to start. God's people. You've got to remember that as we work through. You'll see it coming up in verse 3. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Heritage is an inheritance. Think of inheritance like something you get from your parents or grandparents. Sometimes mom and dad give you an inheritance. It's a gift. You don't have to do it. You don't have to do anything to get it. And notice verse 3 says, The fruit of the womb is a reward. And as we discover that this psalm is about God's children... This is a little bit sensitive. Typically these days, good health, we expect it. Fertility, bearing children is something that uh, we would see as a basic human right. And the world says, if you want children, you should just be able to get them. You know, this is a... uh, difficult subject and for for many of God's children singing Psalm 127 is not the easiest fighting with infertility in Genesis chapter 2 the Lord speaks of Genesis 3 the curse the curse upon the woman in particular is regarding the having of children 
and the increase of pain. And I do, I do want to go beyond just having you think of labor and childbirth, that kind of pain, because the original Hebrew is referring to, in general, the having of children. There will be pain along the way. Not having them is part of that pain. Having them and losing them. Not being able to raise... There's, there's just all levels to this. Uh, having children and, and losing them and they're not walking with the Lord. Like this is, for many of God's children, this psalm is hard to sing. God's hand is heavy upon this broken world and it's the curse. And there's no guarantee that you would have children. They are a gift, you hear in this psalm. They are a reward. God's children, they are His gift. And you have to back up in your mind and think about what is the gospel right from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. And the gospel has had a clear message about children. Genesis 3, God says... With this promise, I will make enmity. I will make hatred. I'll make a separation. That these are incompatible. The Satan will have his offspring, his seed. And the woman, Eve, she will have her offspring and her seed. Between her seed and his seed, I will make enmity. And the Gospel in Genesis 3 says, I'm not going to let the children of the devil take over. My children are going to be different. I'm building a house, you hear. I'm building a household and I'm watching over my city, the Lord is saying. And that was like the hopeful beginning, the first gospel you ever heard in Genesis 3, verse 15. And then you're into chapter 4 of Genesis and Abel is murdered. The seed. The the offspring of the woman. The child of the woman. And all the promise of God has been funneled through this one individual and Cain kills him. Who's looking after God's house? Does it seem like someone's taking care of God's house? And he gives to Seth a... Uh, he gives Adam and Eve a son named Seth and he replaces Abel. And in the line of Seth, there are sons being born and you have this pattern... But let me speed it up. And we jump to Abraham. He is childless. So we read Genesis 14 and 15 to get a sense of of this message. Unless the Lord builds his house, unless the Lord is watching over his city, his people, right? It's all coming to nothing. There's Abraham. Genesis 14, having attacked and defeated five kings so as to rescue his nephew Lot. And God says, you notice chapter 15 is coming right after that. Do not be afraid, Abraham. Or Abram, that's his name back then. Why be afraid? You might be thinking, why would Abraham be afraid? He is just slaughtered, defeated. Five kings and their armies. They're a little put out. Maybe there's a bit of revenge And God says, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Remember, this is about children being a gift. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Abraham catches on right away. The Lord, you are my shield. 
you are my exceedingly great reward? Lord, I don't have any reward. I have no children. No seed, no offspring. And he's using the exact gospel words of Genesis 3. Lord, your promise has come to a dead end. And God's answer is, never mind how old you are, Abraham. Never mind how old your wife is, Sarah is. You shall have a son, and your descendants shall be like the stars of heaven. And you have to see this pattern, brothers and sisters, this pattern of childlessness against all odds. How often in the Bible, and how often, and especially in the Old Testament, is it especially a target of Satan to make sure there is no offspring of the woman? Infertility among God's people must be greater than than elsewhere, it seems. God will build His house. And there's murder and infertility. Every stillborn child suggests that this could be the dead end of God's promise and His people. The end of the church. But no. God will watch over His city. Even if Pharaoh commands all the Israelite baby boys to be drowned in the Nile River. Even if Herod is doing the same thing, commanding all the boys in Bethlehem to be killed. The devil will be attacking God's children, God's house. He's attacking the seed of the woman constantly. So here's Psalm 127. A psalm for us to sing. Children are a gift from God. And their survival is a gift from God. A reward. Don't take it for granted. His kingdom, His kingdom children, His covenant children. Maybe you hear that word covenant often. It's God's commitment to us. And He's particularly invested in the survival of His people and the next generation. In the Old Testament, every child of promise, every son or daughter becomes part of God's house where the very Son of God is to be coming. The very Son of God, the seed of the woman, Jesus Christ, we we know Him, He will crush the head of Satan. Christ is the hope of every believer. You know, Isaiah, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Is that the promise of the Gospel? A child? Your hope is in a child? Or, for God so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. The Son of God, you know this is about Him. He would take God's curse on Himself to bless you in His righteousness. And He would bless all nations. That's what it's coming to. God's house is built around His Son, Jesus Christ. His Son, Jesus Christ, is His city. It's His kingdom. The Son, Jesus Christ, is His temple. All of that is built around Jesus Christ. He has a people around Himself. And who is looking after the house of God? I'd like to hit reset and back up at the beginning of Psalm 127. We've kind of had some background information. Let's start over. So you have Psalm 127, verse 1 in front of you. 
This is about God's household. God's kingdom children. If we could reset, this is how it would sound. From the top. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And it's saying, you, people of God, you're probably worried about the next generation. Your household, your family, your children. Maybe you had a particular interest in the uh, protest this last week. You're worried about your children. What is best for your children? Giving them the best start possible in life. You're probably thinking about their safety, their health, their schooling, more than anything else. And you put your heart and soul into it. You put your money into it. You put your time. Think about their schooling. And children are so vulnerable and so weak and helpless. They depend on you so much. Here's Psalm 127. Are you thinking like the world is? As if children are there for For you? Are your children for your happiness? Is that what you mean when you say children are a blessing? Grandparents. Are children and grandchildren for your joy? Someone to bounce on your lap? Keep you from being lonely? And parents, aren't aren't you thinking your children are for your fulfillment? Hoarding your children. For your glory, your future. So here's Psalm 127. Unless the Lord is building the household, all your vitamins, all your textbooks, all the work you put into your kids, the acreage that you want to have for them to grow up on, unless the Lord builds the city, all of that safety, your seatbelts, your helicopter parenting is useless. Verse 2 says it's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, spending all of your life, probably so much, on your children. It says, but he gives his beloved sleep. And you hear that name? What's he calling you? He gives his beloved sleep. You have to hear that name, beloved, being loved by God, counted as precious to the Lord. Who's taking care of God's house? In answer to that, you have to remember the house, his people. The beloved ones of God. You're not just thinking about any house, not just any city. This is God's chosen ones. And to them, he gives his beloved sleep. How about some rest from anxiety? Maybe you're up late thinking about your children. And he gives his beloved rest. You have an updated translation, maybe, um, We have had an update to the book of praise. In the second verse of the book of praise, instead of saying he gives his beloved sleep, a fair Hebrew translation would be, on those he loves, the Lord will heap 
his blessings even while they sleep. Right? So he's blessing them while they sleep, while they're doing nothing, while they're just sleeping. This is your God giving you one of his beloved, providing you with what you need. After all, you're his loved ones. So if we get this right, you see, children are the beloved of God, his heritage, what he holds dear to himself. Why am I so protective? Why do I hold on to them so tightly? Why is my identity wrapped up in in my children or, or in not having children? Why is that my identity? My children can be my idols. Their victories would be my victory. Their, their success, mine. Their failures. Doesn't it hurt when they fail? Because it's like my failure, right? I rise and fall based on my children. Are they idols? Or are they arrows? What is Psalm 127 teaching us? Verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Picture a warrior. His bow and arrows back then. In verse 5, blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. The quiver, what holds his extra arrows. He handles one at a time. And maybe as you get to verses 4 and 5, you would expect that as a preacher, I would use Psalm 127 to tell you to have lots of children. To hurry up and have children. And how many is in a quiver? Well, what you hear in Psalm 127 is even better than that. God delights in children. God smiles to have children. He delights in them. You get a sense of God's pleasure here. Get a sense of the joy of Jesus Christ who is the great warrior. You think of the arrows in the hand of a great warrior. Think of them as arrows in the hand of Jesus Christ who loves to shoot down Satan. Shoot arrows at the kingdom of Satan's darkness. Luke 10 describes the Lord Jesus Christ and a great joy that Christ has. Luke 10, maybe you'll look that up sometime. I give you authority. He's speaking to the 70 disciples who have gone out. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And Jesus Christ was there rejoicing in Luke 10 about shooting missiles at Satan. Get, a, get this, get a sense of Malachi 2, verse 15. I seek godly seed. Malachi 2, verse 15. Godly offspring, seed of the woman. This is your king speaking. Let's inflict some pain on the evil one. Who's with me? And the children say, pick me. I'm with Jesus. Think of Mark 20. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. God has a special joy in taking the helpless, 
the vulnerable, the weak, and the foolish to say, don't you see who's on their side? Who's looking after them? These are my beloved ones. Children are beloved arrows for war. Spiritual war. They're beloved arrows given to parents as a gift. And this is the point. Children are not for keeping at your side. Maybe you think that's what the quiver means. You just tuck them away. Under your control as long as possible. Safe in the quiver. Away from the world. Away from spiritual warfare. Until they become just as mature and strong as I am or you are. God isn't giving children and grandchildren for you to have a a family insurance policy, some family empire. These arrows are in the hand of a warrior. These arrows are put to the string. This is war. And you put an arrow. The, The warrior puts the arrow to the string to pull back, to send them. Let them be mighty in God's kingdom. We sang Psalm 8. Particularly as we were singing in verse 2, it speaks of the children. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. This is awesome. That God would use children to be mighty in his kingdom. To sing praise. To glorify him. To always look where their strength comes is not in themselves. Think of Jesus Christ. He's entering the city of Jerusalem during his ministry. Remember the triumphal entry? Jesus Christ riding in the city on a donkey. Matthew 21 verse 16 says, When the chief priests and the scribes saw the children crying out in the temple... And saying, Hosanna to the son of David. They, the leaders, they they were indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said, Yeah. Yeah, I hear what they're saying. Have you never read Psalm 8? Out of the mouth of babes? These children are arrows. And they're sent. Psalm 127 is showing us what trust is. Either you tuck your children away in a quiver, keep them to yourself, or you release them like arrows are meant for. Arrows in the hand of the warrior so that they would be heard exalting and praising Jesus Christ their King. They're praising that their strength is not found in themselves. Outside of them, their King, Jesus Christ. Psalm 127 is saying, trust in the Lord God. Is he really building the house? His house? Is he really keeping watch over his city? Does he have his eye on his beloved ones? You look at the last verse with me. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be ashamed when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. 
Let me remind you, the city gates back then, in those ancient times, the city gate was the opening, was the portal with an opening and kind of a chamber. It became a room, a a sitting area for judges to sit. Remember, maybe you've heard the book of Ruth and Boaz meets with the leaders of the city at the city gate. This is a place where court is held. This is where fierce battles go on. Battles between good and evil. Right and wrong. It's the battles between the offspring of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Life and death battles. Accusations. Innocence. Acquittal. It's all in the city gate. And it says here, blessed is the man. He won't be ashamed. He won't be embarrassed when his children are in the city gates facing their enemies. Are you sure? Blessed? Happy? Uh, how about nervous? You would have your children in the city gates? Close to the enemy? Where it's vulnerable? Children, oh, what do they know? They don't know much of the Bible. They haven't experienced much. I'm the one, and maybe you're at a mom or dad, you're thinking, I'm the one who is strong. If they stick around me, if they're close to me, they'll be well-armed, defended. Really? Do any of you older ones think that? Because I thought we started Psalm 127 at the top. Unless the Lord builds the house. I thought you were saying, unless the Lord watches over. Isn't that the point? Who is looking after God's house? Who's looking after his beloved? Because when push comes to shove, are you going to say it really depends on me? And how strong I am? You are? Your wisdom, your your building quality, your, your alertness, your effort, is that what it depends on? And let me speak to the younger ones here. The children, young people, you are arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, Jesus Christ. You're arrows in the hands of your Lord Jesus Christ who calls you beloved. Don't be wimpy. Don't be wimps like your parents. Don't try to hide in the quiver. Think about this. This psalm is making you think. How can I be mighty in the kingdom of God? Start with Psalm 127. As children, you're singing this. How can I be mighty in the kingdom of God? I I better know where my help comes from. Unless the Lord is building His house, unless He is my safety, right? A house, safe place, my home. Unless the Lord is building his city, you think of the walls back then, your security. Unless he is my strength, my security. Unless the Lord is building and watching and guarding the city, all I end up doing for the rest of my life is a waste of time. You might have a well-paying, good-paying job. You might be rising up early, going to bed late. That is for nothing. Children, hear that. Unless he's looking after you, unless you are 
know that you are one of the beloved of Jesus Christ. Jesus says to you, beloved one, child, boy, girl, young man, young woman, you're my beloved. Trust in me. Because you are my arrow. You're my missile. Your purpose is to fight as king or queen. You think of Lord's Day 12. As king or queen against the evil of your old nature, the evil of the world, the evil of the evil one himself, Satan. You reign with Christ. Hear that, children. You reign with Christ, your Savior. You are strong in him. 1 John chapter 2. I write to you, young men, young men, listen, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Think about how you might be mighty in the kingdom. Putting on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6. Doing what even your parents might not be so good at. Right? You, you're pretty critical as a young person. You can think of things your parents are not good at. Do that. What about praying? What about evangelism? Because in whatever it is, wherever God leads you, it's war against the offspring of the serpent. Young men, think about pursuing the ministry too. The world needs the gospel. We need missionaries and ministers and teachers. You are arrows. This is the time to be sharp. Let me draw this to a close. Who is looking after God's house? Do you you see the point of Psalm 127? It's the Lord who builds. He's the one who guards He's the one who gives. Gives children. Remember the time travel? Do some time travel in the scriptures. Find out again and again. There have been cities and peoples, houses, temples that have been demolished. But he has promised to look after his beloved. If you are in Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and you submit to him, remember how he looks after his beloved. Being in Jesus Christ, in the church, among the people of God, he is the holy of holies of the people of God. Being in Christ, you are most secure. This is the only place of security and safety. And he will take care of you. Amen.